Hi friends, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Plant Medicine, Cannabis, Psychedelics and Pharmaceutics. I have an amazing physician with me today, but folks, uh, who am I? <laughs> who the heck am I? <laughs> I am your host, Dr. Lola Ohama, also known as Dr. Ho, a clinical pharmacist, plant medicine specialist, founder of WCI Health, your alternative health and wellness hub. At WCI Health, we help you level up on your wellness journey using the healing powers of botanical and using education as tools. WCI Health <clears throat> is the founders of GLOWS. When you think GLOWS, think beauty from within. <laughs> what else do we got going on today? House cleaning. This show is for educational purpose and should not be taken as medical advice. Consult with your physician for all your medical needs. Do not stop or start any medicine without talking to your doctor. Having said that, how are we even able to be on air? We are able to be on air because of folks like you that are sponsoring us. The show is sponsored by WCI Health. Uh, they are your makers of glows. Go to their website, wcrhealth.com for all your CBD-infused products. Having said that, we are so honored to have Entiotech Bioscience out of Keloa, uh, Canada. Dr. Pearson is from Canada too, so they are the ones that are going to be sponsoring me for the Wonderland Miami coming up first week of November. So they are involved with ketamine-assisted therapy and uh, psilocybin research. Thank you, E.T., for your support. Having said that, welcome to the show, Dr. Blake Pearson. Dr. Pearson is a physician. He is the founder of Health, uh, Pearson Health, as well as Greenlee Health. Welcome to the show, Dr. Pearson. Thank you for having me. Dr. Pearson, please talk to me about your practice. I know folks, uh, I mean, you are well, uh, internationally well known in the cannabinoid medicine. Talk to me, what are the diseases that you are focused on uh, specifically? Okay, so within cannabinoid medicine, there's a number of diagnoses that have evidence uh, to support their use in using on patients. And the most robust evidence starts with chronic pain, and that's certainly where I got started in my family practice, um, helping my patients with fibromyalgia, rheumatoid arthritis, osteoarthritis, osteoarthritis um, a number of, of diagnoses where pain is a symptom. So we started treating those patients initially, and then as I got more comfortable with cannabinoid-based medicine, now we see more diagnoses, certainly insomnia, help a lot of patients with their sleep disorders. Uh, my family practice was older patient population. So pain, sleep, anxiety, that's where we, we got started initially. And what I want everyone to know is when we're talking about using CBD and THC, these, these seniors aren't smoking joints. They're not uh, you know, having gummies or edibles. We're, we're talking about here in Canada anyways, um, physician guided. Here's your dose, start at let's say five milligrams, increase to 10, regular medicine. And I think a lot of people in the US aren't aware of that, that uh, actually that's the process instead of just go to the dispensary, get whatever you want. Here it's, it's really guided like real medicine. So started with pain and sleep. Now I have more focus in dementia, 
So we're using CBD and THC to reduce responsive behaviors in dementia patients, getting them off antipsychotics. The pain patients, we're weaning down their opioids using cannabinoids. And then uh, a little more rare, but certainly an interest of mine, is helping kids with autism uh, that self-harm, have behaviors. Again, we're using usually CBD there to manage the behaviors. And of course, CBD um, in our refractory epilepsy case or treatment-resistant res- treatment epilepsy, we're using CBD to manage their seizures. Yeah, thank you. So uh, that is uh, that is a great uh, work that you are doing at it. When you were talking uh, earlier, you talk about uh, anti, you are helping patients to win them off of all this antipsychotic medication. And two things came to my mind. What do you say to the school of thought that says uh, cannabis cause psychosis? I was in a in a uh, online uh, Twitter feed this week, and man, the level of disinformation that is going out there is just unbelievable. First of all, talk to us about the result that you have seen from working with this cannabinoid medicine. Then, secondly, uh, could you just address the fact that folks are saying uh, cannabis can cause psychosis? Is I mean, is that even true? It's such a um, it's such a broad statement, right? It ca- cannabis will cause psychosis. And the reality is it's a nuanced conversation. You can't say, no, absolutely not. But for all the people that thinks that there is this direct link, that is also not factual. All of that, that research is certainly uh, correlational at best. And so when we're having that discussion, it's important to not just big brushstroke yes or no, it's nuanced. Certainly the vast majority of people, especially on the medical side, using low doses of THC and CBD, we really don't see, uh, I've never seen it in practice, induced psychosis. But that's because lower doses, specific patient populations. So it's, it's really a misnomer because of outdated observational research that was extrapolated to uh, yes, it's caused a psychosis when, in fact, um, there's a small proportion of people who are at risk, right, at risk for schizophrenia. And if they were to take high doses of THC, you could induce um, something like that. So the conversation is nuanced. And that's what I really want to say uh, about that topic. Yeah. What have you seen in your own practice? So in my practice, we are using... Um, cannabinoids, again, CBD, and yes, THC, in managing the behaviors of dementia. So people will often say, well, you know, dementia, they, that, that some of those episodes could be psychosis. And the reality is in that patient population, um, cannabinoids are effective at managing the behaviors without inducing psychosis. And again, that's all on dose. So in our practice, in the dementia patient populations, we're using doses maybe between 5 and 10 milligrams of THC and CBD uh, to manage the behaviors, well tolerated. And again, in my experience, of certainly in the dementia side, over 500 patients, we haven't seen any uh, psychosis episodes induced. And then if we really want to be honest here, um, in my outpatient practice now, I've seen probably over 10,000 patients using various levels of CBD and THC. 
and we haven't had one reported um, psychosis event in that patient population. Absolutely. Yeah, so just to give people a sense, not saying it's not certainly possible, but those odds are are quite slim in actual clinical practice using low doses, appropriate doses. The bottom line is that patient population are different. We are genetically uh, made of different DNAs and all that stuff. I have... uh, I have an experience with uh, a family member that has used high high dose THC for years, at least close to thirty years, and it's doing very well. Is you won't even believe his age. So yeah. it's what I, it's even possible that all this uh, cannabinoids that they're talking about might even be laced with all this synthetic JW eighteen. Or spice list cannot be known. Who knows? Let's move on to the next question, Dr. Pearson. You, you recently announced the start of a new research study into the impact of cannabinoid therapy on local residents uh, with dementia. And you have partnered with Lambert uh, College and Stephen Rosenman Nursing Home for three years, uh, $360,000 uh, research grant from National Science and Engineering Research Council of Canada. Tell us about the, uh, what this study is going to be about. Yeah, that is a lot of money for uh, cannabinoid-funded medicine. We are moving forward. So talk to us about this research. Yeah, it's, a, it's exciting work. And certainly to get some federal funding is a sign of things going in the right direction. And the the need couldn't be more important now because... We have aging population, baby boomers aging. The proportion of people that are going to develop dementia is is going to be just a ridiculously high number. And we need to kind of think about other alternatives and, and not only managing their symptoms, but also preventing disease. This study looks at the that one side of managing the behavior. So the study is going to look or expand upon my clinical work in using CBD and THC in the patients with dementia and the responsive behaviors or the behavioral psychological symptoms of dementia to improve those symptoms, improve quality of life, improve mood. Those are some of the, the metrics we'll be looking at, as well as caregiver burnout, caregiver distress, which is the flip side of, of dementia for those who care for their loved ones with that diagnosis. So we're going to be looking at um, at, at those markers and whether cannabinoid therapy can improve things while at the same time, and perhaps another, another key component, if not one of the bigger ones, the reduction in other medication, specifically um, antipsychotics or neuroleptics. So the study will be looking at that as well. And we've already, we're just about at en- uh, enrollment capacity and uh, a couple of the uh, the participants are into that third or fourth month now, and uh, not surprisingly, we're we're seeing what I've been seeing clinically over the last five years in that space um, as far as some positive outcomes. That is awesome. That is awesome. In uh, follow up with that, you have expressed that this new study is not about healing or halting dementia. You said it's about managing the behavior associated with this disease. 
uh, mood and all that. Talk to me about how you narrow down this criteria for this patient population. Um, well, really, it was it was just kind of extrapolating from what we had already seen clinically and who who some of our um, observational studies had shown benefits in and really kind of um, extrapolated from there from some of our retrospective reviews. Um, but you mentioned on the healing or halting dementia topic, and I certainly would love to see some research, and hopefully I'll be able to be involved in it one day, um, on just that, on cannabinoids, on, on disease halting uh, benefits or slowing down the disease progression. Because when you think about it, now we're learning dementia, Alzheimer's dementias, much more of an inflammatory component or an inflammatory issue. And what does something like CBD do in the brain? Well, it reduces neural inflammation. It inhibits the microglial migration, mm -hmm. right? And reduces that inflammation response. So to me, if you can reduce inflammation in the brain, that's a good, uh, almost a no-brainer, if you will, to, to look at that for further research on slowing disease progression. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Dr. Pearson, especially when we have uh, data out there that have shown us that inflammation is the root cause of almost all disease states, including cancer. Inflammation is what is causing pain. So if we take all those inflammatory uh, uh, cytokines and all those inflammatory agents out of our disease state, it's like we, we can even say that we have caught our our risk into have mm -hmm. uh, so so that that really makes sense really, really makes sense you have also said uh dr pearson uh that why you have seen an increase in physician uptake in the recent years the human endocannabinoid system is still not being taught in med school no one none of us learn this stuff i'm a clinical pharmacist and you know, none of us learn this stuff in, in med medical school, which is pretty, I mean, to consider that the fact that we already have this cannabinoid in our system and the real police of our medicine are still not learning about this uh, system is, uh, is nothing to write home about. What do you think the educators have? Why? Why have they not even include this uh endocannabinoid system in their curriculum. What what is what are we waiting on? I wish I had the answer because <laughs> <laughs> what are we waiting on? It, it literally right defies logic at this point. There is no good reason to not be teaching about this abundant system in our body. Um, so I just I hope more people tune into things like this. I hope more awareness can be created because it, it makes no sense to not teach this. A, an under, undergrad classes, certainly as you get into your professional school, whether it's medicine, pharmacy, nursing, there has to be a component on the endocannabinoid system. I think I read something like 3% of US med schools teach it. Um, and the same here in Canada, like maybe, maybe one to 2%, like a very, very small amount of, of these students are getting that information. And just for you and I, we had to seek it out ourselves. And I think we're at a point where this, this is a bit ridiculous now. 
it is ridiculous for me i i teach i gen i, I currently teach uh uh cannabinoid medicine at john patrick uh, university out of uh in uh out of uh indiana online program i, I do their pharmacology uh cannabinoid pharmacology analytical chemistry of cannabis and cannabinoid science as a cohort uh combination program for their postgraduate student and we are one of the very few that are even doing a comprehensive program uh, on the cannabinoid medicine the other school is in maryland and from what i'm what i'm even hearing very few people are really going into detail to see the structure of the cannabinoid cannabis itself as a medicine rather than going into the into the uh business side of thing we are the drug experts we are the caregivers of uh patient how many pushback have you had from your colleagues when it comes to cannabinoid medicine are they really pushing back at all yeah well it's a good segue because there's really a function of what we we're just talking about the lack of education in the system so the result of that is you have pushback now for a lot of the, the physicians that um, have been in practice for many years. Uh, you have some that just don't even want to learn about it, which mm -hmm. blows my mind because that's that's not good medicine. We have to keep up with things, of course. But it's it's that the lack of training in undergrad and professional school spits out these practitioners that a, don't want to learn about it, or B, have a bias against it. And I'd love to tell you that that's just the older physicians aging out and the younger grads, but I teach physicians all over the US, Canada, Australia, UK, and it's, it's actually uh, astonishing that the younger, newer grads come out with these biases as well, still. So... It's not like, you know, the older docs are moving on and this young generation of physicians and pharmacists are, are ready for cannabinoid medicine. The problem still exists. So we need to fix it at its source, right in med school, pharmacy school, but then also continuing education um, for the providers that have already graduated. I mean, I don't know how much, uh, and don't get me wrong plants how about medicine they are medicine i grew up with plant medicine in the mm. western part my child was in the western part of africa where we use these compounds as uh, wellness tools most mm. of our conventional medicine were originally derived from herbs yeah, yeah we know uh, that the conventional uh, medical school physician Allied health general, there's always been that bias towards herbal medicine. Yeah. But when you look, eventually we come on there to the to what the indigenous folks have done for generations, then we take it over and we start packaging it and processing it into something that becomes really, really dangerous. Take yeah. for example opioid. Uh, yeah, we we discover opioid from puppy. But when you start uh, mod modifying all the structure, the side chain, we give us this opioid uh, epidemics that we have right now. Yeah. We have over, as of 1999 or so, one of the data that I saw from the CDC, over 90 people over that dies daily uh, on opioid uh, overdose. 
It, and it doesn't mean that cannabis is a wonder drug, cures all. That's not what we are saying. No. When we are saying it's medicine, if it's medicine, we need to treat it as such. Absolutely. But how many people has this plant killed so far compared to the alternatives? And when we are talking about younger professionals, younger uh, medical professionals coming up, one one thing that came to my mind when you were talking, Dr. Pearson, is that you are what you eat. We are who taught us. Yeah. If if these folks are not give, being given this information and are being given uh, all this disinformation, that is exactly what we are carrying over. Hopefully, the power that be, especially with the recent uh, uh, announcement from the Biden ad administration, that is really a way a move forward for us. Hopefully, we will continue, especially here in the United States, yeah. to move forward. I'd yeah. like to see that. And um, on the opiate crisis, like it's one of those things where our government agencies, I, I had a role with uh, the Ontario um, Lynn, which is kind of like a government health agency. But the role was educate physicians in cannabinoid medicine to avoid uh, the first opiate prescription or to help physicians lower their mean morphine equivalents. So it's something that you can, you can use. And physicians in the U.S. still aren't really embracing that. And I think the legalization, if everything goes through with what Biden did, like if we can reschedule it, hopefully then physicians will get comfortable with it because it is, like you mentioned, it's not the wonder drug, but it's certainly a tool uh, to lower morphine equivalents or prevent the first script. And that was something that um, we had good success with in those programs. You would see the mean morphine equivalents come down within a year after I, I would work with those um, clinics. That is amazing. Now let's go back to you. In your recent blog about uh, new placebo-controlled randomized uh, clinical trials, and when we talk about randomized uh, double-blinded trials, those are the gold standard of our uh, clinical trials that, uh, that came out of Israel, published to evaluate the safety and efficacy of broad-spectrum uh, CBD-dominant uh, medical cannabis oil mm -hmm. in, uh, for the reduction of behavioral disturbance among patients with dementia. They find out that uh, statistically significant reduction in agitation uh, of the cannabinoid-based product compared to this placebo with uh, relatively mild uh, side effects. Mm -hmm. How do you compare these uh, particular studies coming out of Israel to what uh, you hope to learn from your own study? It's very similar. Yeah, is the truth. It's so it's very similar to what I've seen over the last four years of practicing cannabinoid medicine in dementia care, long term care here in Canada. So I was happy to see that echo the, re the reduction in the behaviors. Um, certainly, you'll see reduction in antipsychotics as a result of that. Um, and for our current study, we just hope to echo those same findings. Um, and I'm, I'm fairly confident we will. One thing, the headline says CBD in that study, but it's important to know too, um, they're in that CBD dominant mixture, there is THC. So those, those folks in that study were getting, I think eight to 10 milligrams of THC per dose in addition to their, their CBD. 
So it highlights, uh, which I think is a key clinical pearl here, that um, oftentimes for dementia behaviors, THC is, is needed in addition to CBD. I totally agree with you, Dr. Pearson. And I tell people, THC is not the bad guy. Everything, conventional medicine, even water can be dangerous for us. Mm-hmm. It's all in your dosing and it's all in your route of administration when we are talking about med- medicine, be it herbal medicine or uh, conventional medicine. I mean, who knew cinnamon can, can harm us? Mm-hmm. When you talk about one of the most dangerous medicine that interacts with almost everything on the planet, it's called warfarin, cumidine. Uh, I mean, Thermidin will interact with the air that we breathe if we allow it. So it's all in the dosing and it's also in the in the route of administration. And it's a great, great work. And when we talk about THC, we need it. We're already producing it in our body. Anandamide is THC-like. Mm-hmm. We uh we we need it uh at a low dose is very good for to help us to calm us down. And it helps with pains and all this other cool stuff going on. So, folks, THC is not the bad guy. Education and clinicians like Dr. Pearson is who we need in this space to start leading us to the future of medicine. Definitely. Dr. Pearson, I know we have a lot of listeners out of Canada as well, all over the world. For those of our audience that might want to know you, uh, find you, where can they find you? Or maybe they want to work with you. Where can we find you? Yeah. So I'm pretty active on, on all the social channels. Um, so at Dr. Blake Pearson, if it's Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff, YouTube, of course. Um, so a lot of what I like to do is, is, is get the educational content out there and, you know, explain things, share some of the case stories and just really kind of keep this at the forefront. And then uh, our clinic site is uh, PearsonHealth.org. That is awesome. Hopefully we can have you back when you are done with this clinical trial so that we can compare and see where we are. Anyway, time goes fast when we are talking about this important stuff. That is our show today. Find all the past episodes on Cannabis Radio and WCI-Health.com. Please rate this show. Give us a five uh, on your rating uh, platform and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Plus, you can also find it on Hi-Hat Radio, Amazon Music, Google, WCI Health, and wherever you find your podcast. Please follow me on social, IGWCI Health 19, uh, LinkedIn. I am Dr. Lola O'Humber. And, of course, remember to pick my book if you are yet to do that, A Pharmacist's Guide to Cannabis, Perspective of a Non-Conforming Clinician. Definitely, we are still calling for sponsor for this show. If you would like to be uh, our tribe, please come on slide in DMs and come hang out with us. Help us to keep this show going as well. And if you are in Wonderland, Miami, that is happening November uh, first week of November, the 3rd to the 6th, I will be speaking on the uh, depression panel, ketamine and depression panel, and the adverse reaction and side effect. Uh, we're going to be reviewing clinical data. So come hang out. Let's see what's going on. And until next time, folks, remember health equals well. Bye for now.
The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.